Salutations, friend, and welcome to the Profit Scale Podcast, where we help independent Black, Indigenous, and people of color entrepreneurs earn at their highest levels through securing corporate contracts. I'm your host, Ruth Joy Connell, your corporate consultant and sales enablement expert, and I'm on a mission to equip you with the systems and strategies you need to build a business of generational impact and income. Around here, we bring culture and coins together, providing all the learning, community, and support you'll need as you scale your business. So if you're ready to step into your next level of income and impact, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Turn up the volume and lean in, because we're about to get started. Well, hello there, friend, and welcome back to another week, another episode. Today, we are talking about one of my favorite topics, research. Something you may not know about me is that my formal background is in the sciences. I have two degrees, one in neuroscience and mental health and one in psychology, which means that I spent a lot of my undergrad living in labs, performing experiments and writing up lab reports. Years of physics, chemistry, and biology labs helped me develop a deep understanding of the scientific method, and through them I became really skilled at a few things. First, developing a hypothesis. Second, developing a process to test that hypothesis, an experiment, if you will. And third is conducting research. All sciences use something called the scientific method. This is a standard practice through which scientists observe, measure, experiment, modify, and test a hypothesis. So essentially, the way it works is that you make an observation, you ask a question about what you observed, and then you try different experiments that will help you answer that question. What I didn't know at the time was how the skills I was building would transfer to anything other than the sciences. That is, until I started my career in sales. The structural approach to problem solving that I learned by using the scientific method really helped me thrive in my first sales job. My first sales job in the corporate world was with a company that was building out their internal sales department. That meant that there weren't a lot of predetermined best practices created by the company. So fresh out of university, I did what I knew best, which was to experiment. And I tried out different methods of getting a prospect's attention, which subsequently allowed me to book more discovery calls. Finding a method that worked was ultimately what led to my promotions. And it's what helped me learn how to transfer my scientific skill set into a sales context. What I learned from this experience was that I wasn't actually better than my colleagues at sales. I was better than them at research, and in the same way I was trying to get the attention of decision makers, I also ended up getting the attention of my director. Focusing on the research gave me a competitive advantage that elevated my visibility and made it easier for me to secure opportunities without having to compete for them. Can you see where I'm going with this? As a woman small business owner competing in the B2B marketplace, the strategies we use to get the attention of and build relationships with decision makers have to be different than what our competitors are doing. Many of us are not working with a large sales team, a huge budget for ads, and lengthy and well-established reputations in the marketplace. You are likely in the early stages where it's either you by yourself or you're working with a small team of contractors and maybe a virtual assistant. You're the one who is running your marketing, you're doing your sales, you're delivering your service to your clients, and so much more. 
In a lot of eyes, this could seem like a disadvantage, but what would traditionally be a disadvantage for a larger organization is actually a differentiating strength for a small business owner. Research is a secret weapon and an effective tool for small businesses competing against larger organizations for corporate contracts. And that's what I'm going to teach you today. A well-researched, thoroughly crafted email or message can help you get the attention of huge organizations and influential people in your industry. And the benefit of being a small business is that you actually have the time to do more thorough research than a large organization does. They are reaching out to hundreds, sometimes thousands of prospects a day. They don't have the time to do the research that would allow them to personalize each piece of outreach. But you, my friend, you do. The art of getting attention is a blend of timing, relevance, disruption, and persistence, all of which can be accomplished through research. And the beautiful thing is that using research as the foundation of your outreach allows you to focus on quality instead of quantity. My goal for today's conversation is to help you understand the power of research and the role it plays in helping you outperform your competition when it comes to getting the attention of B2B buyers. As you begin to see the different ways you can use research in your sales cycle, and particularly the early stages of prospecting, my hope is that you start to apply this tool consistently, allowing you to create more conversations and ultimately win more business as a result. Because in the B2B marketplace, say it with me now, sales happen through conversations. Let's jump in. The first strategy is to capture their attention through personalization. This is when you tailor your outreach using information that's specific and relevant to the receiver, and there are two ways to do this. The first is by personalizing your outreach to the organization, and the second is by personalizing your outreach to the individual or the decision maker that's on the receiving end. Let's start with personalizing outreach to the organization. At this stage, you're using research to give you insight into the organization before you speak to someone. Think about it like preparing for an interview ahead of time. You wouldn't go into an interview blind or unaware of the company's reputation, values, or what they actually do. This is similar. The research you're going to do at this stage is for information such as the organization's goals, initiatives, priorities, values, frameworks, and perhaps what they've been publicly criticized or praised for. This information allows you to better understand the current state of the organization and to better align your outreach with their current priorities. Here's what this could look like. Let's say you're a marketing consultant and the organization you're reaching out to has stated on their website that one of their initiatives is to increase their market share by 20% over the next three years. That means they want to expand their revenue and their client base. As a marketing expert, that's a great opening for you to see what role marketing can play in helping them accomplish that initiative. You can make this connection in your email to them by including a sentence like this. I noticed that ABC organization's current initiative is to increase market share by 20% over the next three years. That's exciting. I have some ideas about how we could optimize your website to get you 3% closer to your goal in the next six months. And that's just an example. Including a sentence like this one makes a clear connection between your expertise and their priorities. It's clear, direct, and succinct, making it easy for the decision maker on the receiving end to understand why you're reaching out and to decide whether or not they want to engage with you. Now let's look at how to personalize to the individual. 
When researching, you're going to want to look for information that has been made public and is easily available. That last point is particularly important because we don't want to come across as creepy by stalking their LinkedIn posts from like seven years ago. (laughs) You want to look for information that's going to help you build a rapport, but not get you reported. Okay, like that's what we're going for here. (laughs) Some examples of what to look for are things like recent promotions, shared experiences between you and them as it relates to cities, organizations, mutual connections, and so on. You can also look for a post they may have shared that resonates with you or a post on a topic that you can easily relate to. This doesn't have to be complex. Again, I want to stress that you're not researching to try and uncover their deepest, darkest secrets here. You're just trying to connect with them on a human level. I experienced a great example of this concept at play just last week. I recently did a LinkedIn Live on how to build your business using corporate clients, and I was explaining this concept of connecting with decision makers on a personal level. As I was sharing, I half-jokingly said that if it were me, I would love to receive a message telling me how hilarious I am. But of course, I was only half-joking because I really am hilarious, so that would just be telling the truth. Um, But I digress. The next day, I received an in-mail message on LinkedIn with the subject line, You're Hilarious. When I saw it, I immediately started to laugh. And even before I opened the message, I immediately knew a few things about the woman who sent it to me. First and foremost, she clearly has a great sense of humor. That's just a given. Second, she either attended the live stream or watched the replay. And third, she is someone who takes decisive action. She immediately had my attention just from incorporating information that I shared during my live into her outreach with me. She took the information that I shared and used it to create a point of connection that made me want to engage with her even before I opened her message. This is a perfect example of not complicating research. It could be as simple as using something you heard them say in your outreach or using a simple, well-placed compliment to show the recipient that you are speaking specifically to them. This is the power of research at work. Let's look at the next strategy. Strategy number two is to capture their attention through competitor analysis. The first strategy was more about taking stock of the room. We focused on having a good understanding of the basics about the organization and the individual. But this strategy is where you use research to create insights. In other words, to share information with your prospect that they may not already know. I'm going to give you two prompts or two questions to guide your research for this particular strategy. Prompt number one, is there a gap in their market that they could fill if they did things differently? This is a question that requires you to get creative and possibly to make some assumptions about the organization as well. No matter how much or how well you research, there is still information that you won't have access to. So the better your research, the more informed any assumptions you do make will be. When researching the answer to this question, consider your expertise. How can your specific expertise bring a fresh perspective to the work that they're already doing? Keep in mind that all of the research you're doing is simply to get their attention so you can secure a conversation with them. The point of this research is not to sell them on working with you. It's simply to get their attention for long enough that they would be willing to give you more of it. When you're able to identify a gap in the market that they could be leveraging or better leveraging, you immediately differentiate yourself from the noise. To your prospect, this shows a deep level of understanding of their business, their market, and their industry, 
which is not common from a small business owner. So that's the first prompt. Prompt number two is what is their competition doing and seeing success with? This prompt focuses on what's already working for similar organizations and draws your prospect's attention to how they can leverage that strategy for their own business as well. Similar to the first prompt, by answering this question, you are demonstrating a depth of understanding of their market and business that goes well beyond a quick Google search. Knowing who an organization's competitors are is a great way to get their attention. I have done several job interviews where I was asked to name a few competitors of the organization I was applying to work with. They ask this question because it very quickly separates the people who are genuinely interested in the market as a whole from those who are simply interested in that particular job. This also translates to prospecting. Decision makers want to know that your expertise and interest in working with them goes beyond the surface, and this is a great way to show that. Here's an example of how you could approach this prompt, highlighting what their competitors are doing. The first example would be using artificial intelligence or AI. This is really popular right now. So one approach could be exploring how organizations similar to theirs are using AI to get better results in your particular area of expertise. Another example is contrasting their progress towards a particular goal to their competitors, showing that their competitor was able to make more progress by applying the same expertise that you bring to the table. This strategy gets attention because you're bringing an uncomfortable truth to the surface. And if there's one thing organizations don't like, it's outsiders knowing their dirty laundry, so to speak. This strategy is essentially the equivalent of saying, hey, I know where your dirty laundry is hidden. But the good thing is that you're not shining light on these areas to embarrass them, but rather to partner with them in making progress towards improvement. Think of yourself as a laundress in this analogy. Hey friend, since you're listening to this episode, chances are the wheels in your head have been spinning in terms of how you can serve corporate clients, which makes this the perfect time for me to share a little story with you. When I was working as a sales trainer in my corporate job, I was training our sales team to close five and six figure plus contracts on a regular basis. That gave me an awareness and exposure to know that those types of opportunities existed. But what it didn't give me was the confidence to go after those opportunities for myself. Even though I was helping my employer close five and six figure contracts on a regular basis, signing a contract with my own name on it, me, Ruth Joy, a young black female solo entrepreneur, I struggled to believe that I could see the same results for my own business. Maybe you're feeling the same way, but the truth is it is possible. The opportunities are waiting for you. And with the right framework and support, there's no reason why you can't enter corporate boardrooms with confidence and leave with coins. And that's where our program Systems at Scale comes into play. Now, I know when it comes to securing corporate clients, most programs always have an emphasis on sales. And while it's an undeniably important part of the process, it's only one part of the process. Since our motto around here is no coins left behind, the goal can't just be to help you make one sale. My goal is to set you up with the systems to keep the corporate clients and the coins flowing so that your business can have a generational impact. 
Friend, I want to invite you to apply for our group coaching program, Systems at Scale, where we take a holistic approach to teach you how to attract, sell to, and serve corporate clients so you can be positioned for success at every stage of the journey. This program is designed to equip Black, Hispanic, Indigenous, and people of color entrepreneurs just like you with the confidence and tools to secure and serve corporate clients. Click the link in our show notes to learn more about the program and to submit your application to Systems at Scale today. You know you want to. (laughs) All right, friend, back to the episode. And our final strategy, strategy number three, is to capture their attention through industry statistics. I love this strategy because it's so easy to do and it works really well even when you've never had a corporate client before. When I say industry statistics, what I mean by that is using the data published in studies, reports, and articles to highlight the effect of your expertise on organizations similar to that of your prospect. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're a LinkedIn copywriter and you want to work with organizations to develop a content copy plan for their executives. You could type into Google copywriting statistics for LinkedIn post and the very first result is an article titled 10 copywriting statistics that you need to know. One of the statistics in that article states that 59% of web users would avoid buying from a company who made obvious spelling or grammar mistakes. That right there is a great way to highlight the opportunities your prospect could be missing out on because of something as simple as a misplaced comma. That might even be a great subject line for you to use in your email. Pulling in statistics is a great way to borrow trust from a reliable source. It's as though you're saying to your prospect, these are the facts, but don't take my word for it. Instead, trust this reputable third party. I'm just the messenger. Industry statistics are also a great way to showcase the impact of your services on an organization. Using that same example of the LinkedIn copywriter, another statistic that can be found in the article I mentioned earlier is that you can increase email open rates by 23.8% simply by adding two extra words to the email subject line. The benefit to an organization when they hire you is not necessarily more opened email rates. That's the feature, not the benefit. The benefit is that more people are purchasing from them because more people are opening their emails, thus leading to increased revenue. Where you come into play is that your expertise is knowing which two words to add and where. So even if you've never worked specifically with corporate clients before, you can pull on statistics such as these to showcase the tangible ROI from services like yours. These examples are just some of the ways that you can use research and statistics to get the attention of decision makers, and you're certainly not limited to the examples that I shared here today. Borrowing trust from reputable third parties by using statistics is something you can incorporate into your content, your emails, your speaking engagements, and so much more. Now that you have all three strategies, I want to take a moment to remind you that the research you do here is to help you capture attention so you can secure a conversation. It usually doesn't translate well when your initial outreach to a decision maker is to try and sell them on your services in the first interaction. They don't know you and they don't trust you enough yet, which is why we want to focus on taking the next best step, and that's setting up a conversation. In this conversation is where they can build know, like, and trust with you, and you can both see if it would be a good fit together. 
You know that I always say in the B2B marketplace, sales happen through conversations. So I want to encourage you to keep that in mind as you apply these research strategies to your prospecting. All right, friend, let's recap our conversation today and talk about how we can convert this conversation to coins. I started off today's conversation with a mini science lesson on how research can give you a competitive advantage when it comes to getting the attention of decision makers. From there, I shared three strategies to help you capture their attention. Strategy number one was to use personalization. Strategy number two was to use competitor analysis. And strategy number three was to use industry statistics. As you know, our conversation is never complete without talking about how we can take action on what we learned, and today is no different. Your action item for today is to find one compelling industry statistic that you can incorporate into your emails and posts. Start with a simple Google search and see what comes up from there. If you found today's conversation helpful and you want to learn more about how I can help you secure corporate clients, I want to invite you to an information session for our group program, Systems That Scale. This is a comprehensive training program for women entrepreneurs on how to find, sell to, and serve corporate clients. And it's specifically designed to help women enter and navigate the B2B marketplace. We put together an information session to give you all the information you'll need about the program in a no stakes and no pressure environment. If you've been curious about whether serving corporate clients is right for you or whether systems at scale would be a good fit for you, click the link in the episode description to access our information session. We're opening up enrollment for our final cohort of 2023, and I would love to support you to earn at your highest level. And friend, if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, please do me a favor, take a moment to hit that follow button or to hit the subscribe button and take a second to do it now. Because in the next episode, I have the privilege of introducing you to a brilliant businesswoman who is thriving in the B2B space as a stylist. Our next guest is a former client who is securing partnerships and contracts, providing a service that is not as common in the B2B space. And that's why I'm so excited for her to share her story with you. This conversation will remind you that there is a market for any and every skill in the B2B space. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss it. As always, I'm so grateful that you chose to spend this time with me, and it's my hope that each episode plays a part in moving you one step closer to building a business that will have a generational impact. Friend, I need your help. It's my mission to provide this podcast as a resource for women and women of color entrepreneurs all over the world, and I can't do that without you. Every time you leave a review, it helps increase our reach, making it easier for fellow women entrepreneurs to find us. Will you take a moment to leave a review for the podcast? This small gesture means so much to me and it's the best way you can support us if you love the podcast. And if you've left a review before, you can leave more than one. Every review goes a long way. All you have to do is hit the link in the show notes to leave a rating and a review or head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a review and rating there. And will you do me one more small favor? Take a second and share this episode with a fellow entrepreneur. Sharing even just one episode can make a world of a difference for the person listening on the other end. On behalf of myself and the team, thank you so much for supporting us in doing so. I'll be here at the same time and same place in two weeks. And until then, I wish you coins, confidence, and all the bags. Talk to you soon, friend. Mm -hmm.